Hi, I'm Bill Murray. I'm tired right now, but I still have the strength, the energy, and the commitment to listen to Glory Days of Gold. And it's helping. It, it, it's helping. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait Broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore. But those glory days of gold might return once more. Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview, and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Doug Perry. I'm Gordon Henderson. I'm Aaron Anderson. And we've no Lee Gillis tonight. Sadly, I think Lee's caught a chill from doing his commentary at Bonnie Rig on Tuesday night, where by all accounts it was Baltic and he was freezing. They need to get little hand warmers or something for him. So he's not able to do the show this evening. I'm back for my first time in a long time, so apologies to everyone for that. We won't be talking MLS. The season's over from my point of view, so don't worry about that. We've got a lot to talk about, though, in this show. We're going to be looking at the current state of East Fife Football Club, both on and off the pitch. There's highs, but there's a little bit more lows. We'll get all into all of that soon. But first, let's just hear a little bit from this episode's sponsor. Mays Mortgages are Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact us via Facebook to find out more. Thanks as always to Mays Mortgages there. They continue to support us and support East Fife. Go and support them for all your mortgage needs. So, yeah, we've certainly got a lot to talk about in this show. I'm not going to lie, it's not going to be all a bed of roses. And it, there's going to be some tough talk had. One thing I want to say straight off the bat is, obviously, Lee is involved in the commercial side with the club. So any views expressed in this episode aren't necessarily the views of Lee Gillis. That isn't why Lee's not on. He is genuinely feeling under the weather tonight. But it, it gives us a chance to maybe have a, a a more open chat about things, but without putting Lee in an awkward position. But also, it might be that there's not a counterbalance to, to things coming back. So if anyone does have alternate viewpoints or want to challenge what we say, get in touch on the social media, and we will cover that in the, the next show. But I guess I'll go around you all, really, just to start with, just to say, if 
find out how you're feeling this evening. We're recording this on Wednesday night. It's the day after a 4-2 loss at Bonnie Rig, which came after a, a big 4-0 win at Clyde at the weekend. And I know after that win at the weekend, I was thinking, is that a false dawn? Have we turned the corner? Are Clyde just pish? I think we all know the answer to that last question, but how, how are you feeling about the club and the current predicament that they're in on the pitch right now? We'll start with Doug. Um, oh, look, I mean, Saturday's win was fantastic. Um, I think we were all probably surprised by the amount that we won by and how comfortable. But I also felt that Tuesday... I think when you looked at the table before that game, you were like, I'll tell you, if we win this game, you know, and El- Elgin beat Clyde or whatever, then we almost don't need to worry about bottom, really. And we can start looking at, we're very close to fourth. I, I, my issue was the halftime reaction on Tuesday night was awful. Like, I generally thought going into halftime, right, we are right in this. And we just, I don't know. It was really powder puff. I, I'm, as an East Fife fan, I'm not happy with the direction the, the whole club is going on and off the park. And I think that it's it's come to a head and I think it's it's time that changes need to happen, for me anyway. Gordon? Yeah, I think similar. Obviously, Saturday was really good, really enjoyable. You know, it's like the first time in a while I've been at a game and you're just leaving really happy. Thought it was a, it was a, a good result. Really good performance. There is always that thing where you're like, well, yeah, but Clyde are utter pish. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we, we played well and we battered them, so that was good. Um, obviously brought down Earth a little bit um, with the result on Tuesday. I agree with Doug. First half, you know, fine. We were in it. The second half, I think we really fell away and it was pretty disappointing. It was a pretty kind of dispiriting end to the game. Um, you know, the two, the two the two results together, like, fine. You know, you win one, you lose one, you carry that on. You know, that's, that's better than we've been doing. Um, but obviously, it doesn't it doesn't really change the overall picture that, you know, we're still, we're still not doing particularly well. Um, so, yeah, no, no massive movement on, on, on that. Um, yeah, but I agree to on. On and off the pitch, it's it's hard to be too optimistic. Hmm. Aaron, yeah, just echoing some of the thoughts that have been said already. Just concerned, really concerned. I think the concerning thing was that last night against Bonnie Rig was not a shock. You know, you, how often do you go and win a game four 0 and then not be shocked that you get beat four two by <laughs> a bunch of hammer throwers two days, two three days later? I think the biggest concern for me on. Tuesday night was that the way we played played into Bonnie Riggs' hands. Like, I totally understand the pitch as like a cabbage patch. I totally get that. But going long and playing for second balls against a really physical side, that's what they want. Like, that that's their strengths. That's how they play. So, all I kept hearing, hearing we see on the commentary was Greg shouting for second balls. We weren't picking them up. We weren't picking them up, and that that shout was being made from the start till the end. So even when we came out in the second half and the the lack of response, because what's up? Right, we we equalised before going at half time. So you think momentum's with us? 
if anybody's going to come out second half rolling, you'd think it might be us because we're going to carry on the momentum we built up. But it was alarming. And there has been a couple of second halves, not all the time, but there has been a couple of second halves like that this season. I'm thinking back to even Peterhead a few weeks ago, thinking back to Dumbarton when we lost one now. Just no reaction. Just no reaction. And I suppose the process of that is more concerning than the outcome of the defeat. And serious questions, as we've said before, have to be asked because there are out there are objectives. You know, there are objectives in a season. Clubs have targets. And again, I've said it before, in my opinion, our target was top four in the playoffs. Um last night was a chance to close that gap, but we've not. So again, we find ourselves closer to the bottom than we do the top. And if we're being honest about it, that's unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, looking at the table now, because Elgin got a big win last night as well at Forfar. I mean, if it's all ifs and buts and this didn't happen. But Forfar had win, we're suddenly third bottom. But you've got a little bit of a gap over Elgin. But now Elgin's won. So you're looking at that and they're on 12 points. Forfar's on 12 points, we're on 13, Stranraer's on 14, and then at the moment, Cass Adrift at the bottom are Clyde. So I'll come back to that in a sec. Just, I'm, I'm concerned as to where this club's going just now. I, I'm not concerned enough at this point to think we're likely to go down. But if it keeps going in this direction, you've got the new manager bump possibly at Clyde because they're going to have a whole transfer window to try and turn things around. And I don't know that we will have much movement if we don't have some movement off the pitch. But watching that game last night, the, the, the shouts are like second ball, second ball. You, you hear that in Sunday football. It's like you shouldn't be needing to shout that at players at professional level. They should know how to react. But it was, I think... Doug, you mentioned this. It was the reaction after half-time. Whatever the half-time team talks were, Bonnie Rigg came out like a team possessed, took it to us, could easily have gone 3-1 up before they did go 3-1 up. Flem had a couple of big saves that also kept the scoreline down, not for the first time this season, that in a defeat, he's come out of it probably man of the match, I, I would say. I mean, you had glimpses of Fash where he got the ball. There was one in the first half. He got the ball, he cut inside, did a little thing, shimmied about, got in front of goal, and the old Fash with a shot. But the current Fash, low in confidence, plays it out to his right, and I can't remember who it was, but he was in an offside position. And that just sums everything up. The whole team just seems low in confidence, even though they got that win over Clyde. To their credit, they fought back after going a, a goal behind. And I think they were unfortunate to go a goal down. I think they were the better team leading up to that. It was a little bit against the run of play. But we'll talk, talk a little bit at, just in general about the game. We chatted a little bit about this on our WhatsApp thing as well, Doug, but... You're looking at two centre-backs that are talented, good defenders, but slow as fuck. And when you've got them both playing against some really fast-paced Bonnie Rig guys that are just playing a long ball over the top, 
They were always going to struggle. They're going to get burned at some point. And I don't know how much blame you can put on them for, for the goals, but you're giving yourself... You're kind of behind the the eight ball, the eight ball just to, to start if you've got slow centre-backs. Teams will exploit that weakness. Yeah, I mean, for me, defensively, it was the Stranraer game at home where we looked very solid because we had Comerford who's got a little bit of speed and he can attack the ball. I mean, my cousin went to the uh, Spartans away game and he, he, he goes now and again with his kid, like Scottish Cup games mainly, but he'll, he'll still, and he messaged me straight away and said, the the pace of the centre-halves is almost comical. And like, look, Brian Easton has been a good footballer for a long time. Johnny Page has been, but it's chronic. It's like if they if one of them goes slightly forward to try and win a ball and doesn't, they're in because they can't get back. I mean, there was a there was a couple of times yesterday Easton looked like it looked like he was fifty stone in weight and couldn't just couldn't turn and run. And uh, that he's not. I'm just saying, like in terms of mm. speed, it just looked. I don't know. We I, I had concerns that when we signed them, and I, I don't change that. We all suggested that it's not the ideal pairing in terms of having any form of speed there. But it just if you've got any attack, who's got any pace, especially if you've got a guy who can win a, the first initial flick on, mm-hmm. we're done. We're absolutely done. And I think it's, I can see that. You can see that. Fans can see that. But I'm not a manager getting paid who's put the, who's signed them and put them as my first choice centre-half pairing. That worries me because it's, well, it's so obvious. A manager that was a defender like, as well. Yeah, and, and I get, look, I get maybe with budgets or whatever, I get that. And Brian Easton on paper is a good signing. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But you would have to pair him. You would have to with someone who's got a bit of pace who can go in behind if he's if he doesn't win that initial header and mop it up. And look, again, Pagey, when he was at our first spell with us, was a really good centre-half. He moved on to two or three clubs who all their fans were like, yeah, he's a bit past it now. And he's suddenly our first choice centre back. I just think it's it's not it's not going to cut it, and it's not cutting it. Yeah, the, the concern with that as well though is that it then has a complete impact on how you want to play. You know, so if you go to Bonnie Rig, who you know are a long ball side, they're a physical side. You don't want to sit deep against these teams because they can win first and second balls in and around your box. But if you've not got any pace at the back, you can't go with a high line. You can't do it because they could play over the top. And if you're not high, your midfielders and attackers aren't high. So therefore, you're struggling to get support up to your strikers because you're sitting so deep. So by having that centre-pack pair in, you're negatively impacting the shape of the rest of the side. You know, and how often do we have we said on this podcast this season that the guy up top, and although he went with two last night, which was quite refreshing, but how often have we commented on the centre hat, the centre forward being isolated, like being isolated? And it's because the rest of the team's too deep. Which is and exactly then, what, which is exactly what you said at the start, Michael. Fashionable, but Fashionable would have people around him, and he doesn't. Mm. So he's, he, I, I think Fash is looking physically good again, and we've said this last few weeks. Mm-hmm. There was a few times he made a really nice turn, controlled the ball and turned. He's away, but he's 50 yards from goal and there's nobody near him because they're all ready to kind of mop up, which is exactly what I'm saying. So 
people then start having to go at the wrong people for me. Yeah. And they start having to go, oh, if I, you know, but if you turn and you're 50 years, he's not fucking Zico. Do you know what I mean? He's not suddenly going to, or, or someone who's more modern. He, you know, I thought you meant Brian Jenkins. He's not going to suddenly turn and beat the whole team score. He needs support, but they're not there because he's isolated. And that's all, as Aaron says, completely stems from being deep and, and having to be. Yeah, I think there as well, you know, you, you said it earlier, the best I've seen us play this season, and it's probably against the second worst team we've played this year with Stranra. But it was because we had somebody for a little, not loads, but a little bit of pace, who was also quite direct, you know, in stepping in, stepping in to intercept, to play, to put a bit of pressure on. And we were actually able to play pretty high against Stranraer and press the ball because we had that higher line because there was a little bit of pace at the back. Whereas when Brian Easton and Johnny Page are playing, you just can't do it. You can't do it because the lad up top for Bonnie, in fact, the two players, because Sutherland as well, were quick and they were nimble, you know, and we just could not get to grips with them at all. Yeah, Osselador, you were just waiting for him to score at some point and then he gets that goal to to open the scoring and then he's full of confidence and he gave them a torrid time. The the thing is as well, Gordon, on a pitch like that, having slow centre-backs is also going to be tough because it's going to like drain you. They can't be movement. Do do you think the feeling from Greg was maybe, well, it's not a good pitch, so they won't be able to play it along the deck and get the speedy guys in? Which, to be fair, they didn't do a lot because they just went over the top. Well, I think I think to me it looks like that was a definite decision that you're going to Bonnie Rig. It's a terrible pitch. It's also, for me, it certainly looks a narrow pitch. Um, much much narrower than Bayview, I think. It doesn't seem like a lot of space between box and touchline. And yeah, that, that I think that's it's clearly not um, set up for I think the way that we would like to play. I mean, we went we changed the shape as well. When it was uh, I think when we changed it, I think some point during the second half, it certainly looked like we started with three five two, and I think that's deliberately to try and get more in the centre rather than out wide and I think you, you you did see it I think there was times when I know we did it last year but when you try and go there and play football it's just not going to work There's, and Bonnie Rigger they, to me give them credits I think they're a team that's built you know they know what they're doing when mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about plan A's and plan B's you know <laughs> so you might not like it I don't think anybody likes it the way Bonnie Rigg play but they they're set up to play a very particular way, and yeah, they're set they up do it well. to play the way that suits their ground, uh, and it makes it tough. Uh, and they were very good at closing down the space yesterday. You, you just saw it whenever we tried to take a bit of time on the on the ball or anything like that. You're just you're surrounded immediately. So I think there definitely was a bit of that. I think trying to trying to kind of change the way we played and change the shape to to fit fit the opponents and fit the the park. Uh, but obviously, but, but didn't work. Gordon, you, you remember? I mean, I actually genuinely think there's a wee bit of leeway I'll give to that game because it is a it, if you if you're in a tall trying to play football team, you saw it a few times, like especially like Fash would get the ball turning and the ball is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Whether that's poor control, I don't think it is. It was just you know bubbly, 
if there was ever a place to go where you might struggle a bit on a wet bump, it would be that. So look, I'll give that. I will give them a bit of a leeway on it in terms of. It's just a it's just a horrible place to go. I reckon on a Tuesday night, shite pitch, you know, bobbly as hell, and try to play football. So would you then just go right? Let's make it a fight. Fuck it. Let's you know, toe to toe. We've tried it before against them. It's no worked. I think there has to be a leeway because it was at times it was tough to watch in terms of the playing surface, but but you've got to find a way, and we, and we just didn't recently. Were any of you Let's actually at, sorry? Were any of you actually at the game, or did we just all watch a stream? I was there. Was it windy? It, um, to be honest, it wasn't. It wasn't particularly windy. Um, obviously, there was. It had been raining during the day, so there was. You know, the, the the ground was wet, but it wasn't it wasn't raining or particularly windy during the game. Just for the reason, because East Fife's Twitter had said, "I'll just actually I'll, I'll bring it up so I don't misquote them." East Fife arguably the better of the sides in the first half. Bonnie Rigg most certainly in control of the second. Don't disagree with that. We just couldn't get to grips with the pitch or the wind. And when I read that, I thought I don't remember seeing wind being a factor. But no, if wind was a factor, why are we punting it? Up in the air. That wasn't well, I guess because we couldn't play it in the deck because the pitch was shit. But it's like you've got to then have another thing because Bonnie Rig dealt with it. I think I think I'd agree with Doug. I think like they, we have found Bonnie Rig tough. Yeah, and I think and it makes sense when you look at them. You look at the pitch. It's a tough place to go, and I think we are not. You know that doesn't suit us that type of game. So you're you're left in this kind of thing. Well, do you try and impose the way we want to play on them? that could easily go horribly wrong? Or do you try and kind of match up to them a little bit? And I think what we decided to do is a fair a fair shout. I think we were always going to be a little, we were always going to be a bit of a disadvantage because of that. Um, so, yeah, it's not the worst. You know, in terms of defeats going and how much slack you give them or how much criticism you give folk, I, yeah, I, I get that one because I think it was a, I think it's a tough it's a tough one for us and whatever way we tried to play, there's a good chance it wouldn't you know, no. they'd have came out on top. Yeah. So basically we're just not good enough is is another way of looking at that. So Aaron, I cut you off there. What what were you gonna say to Doug's point? Yeah, just a couple of things like whilst I get <clears throat> the fact that it's, it's a difficult place to go and it is because the pitch is like I said, a bit of a quagmire sometimes, but we took four points off them away from home last season. We beat them away for homes at 4-1 and then we drew with them 1-1. So we took four points off of six of them away from home last season. You know, and the concern for me was that at some point in the second half, because it was clear, it was very clear by even the 60th minute when it goes 3-1 or the 65th minute, that whatever we're doing right now is not working. So they've been and done something, they've upped it. But we, I think they tried to change formation and went with like three up top. But we kept playing the same way. You know, we kept playing the same way. And, and again, whilst I take the point the pitch isn't great, our second goal is actually a good bit of football. Mm-hmm. It's a good bit of interplay. You know, it's it's on it's a throw in, it's in the deck, it's it's throw it in, it's thrown in, and it's a couple, it's like a one-two. We've played the ball in the deck, we've played round them nice and quick, we've got a shot away and we've scored. You know, so the, the concern for me is that the same old that during the game when it wasn't working we didn't really change what we were doing 
we kept going the same way of this direct in the corners because they play three at the back. So can we catch them out at the corners and then win the second ball? But that hadn't worked up to that point. So if it's not working, you try and fix it. You try and change it. And I don't think we did that, to be honest with you. might have changed formation. We kept doing the same thing. And I actually felt that if we did try to play, we would have got more joy out of doing that because that's more natural to our players. That's more natural to our players than what it is going along. Like, even look at some of the players on the pitch last night. Um, you've got Gregor Nicol, Brogan Walls, you know, in forward areas. They're not going to be picking up second balls that well. They're not going to be winning headers. So, nah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's given them a bit of a pass, to be honest with you. I think we could have done something different. Now, Doug's posed a little question in the chat that I was trying to find an answer to, but I can't. So, I mean, what your question was, Doug, was how many times have we come behind, come from behind to get something from a game? And right now I'm struggling to think, but I am. Well, I'm just thinking about our wins, obviously, this season. Two, four this, nils. This season, if you take all of our wins, we haven't conceded a single goal in those games, so... Yeah, be zero. Yeah, I mean the draws Spartans, I guess, but yeah. Mm. So the Spartan two two. But but you know, I mean, it, it, my my concern, and probably everyone's concern is, if it ain't working, we're going to lose. Or we're, yeah. you know, if, if if we go behind and it's like, right, how do we get this game back and by the scruff of the neck and go and turn it around? It it doesn't happen, and that's probably. I mean, it's probably true of a hell of a lot of teams, to be fair, but. You, you need that. You need that different game plan. I mean, like, yeah, the, the game changed a lot. But I thought when McManus came on, who's been one of our better players, I don't know whether he had a knock that he wasn't playing. I mean, it can't be fatigue because Troughton's played, you know, every game, every minute, pretty much. So I would be amazed if the fourteen-year-old Conor McManus, as Aaron would know him as, or twenty-seven as he is, would struggle to play two games in four days, but... Did they maybe just feel the, that that pitch wasn't going to suit his game? Or maybe he had a knock? Yeah, I, I just... Knock, yeah. Yeah. No, no, look, there's absolutely many reasons. There's many reasons. But I just... I, I just think as soon as we start going down the game, even when we got back to 3-2 yesterday, I just, I don't know, we just didn't... It wasn't by, like, pure ingenuity, it was just a bit of class from McManus. I thought his goal was excellent, as Aaron said. It was it was the first time we'd seen to try and play a wee bit of football. But being like starting nickel on the left, I'm, I don't know, he's he's quite a flashy player who would I wouldn't think suit a boggy, crappy pitch, personally. But I don't know. I just I feel we're we're just treading water. And I think in general, going away from the game slightly it's like we're waiting on all the crap of the division to get relegated year after year, but mm-hmm. we're just sliding ever more towards the inevitability at the moment. I, would, I, mean, I was just thinking like about that waiting, last night. Well, there's going to be a year where nobody's pish. Yeah. We're, and I think, we're... I think it's not this year because Clyde looked crap. And look, if anyone's going to turn them around, McCall might get a wee tune out of them enough mm-hmm. to just be less than terrible. And I just think we're playing such a dangerous game and we have been steadily since we started down young. And it's just yeah. going backwards and backwards and backwards. And I just, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very difficult to know the correct answer. What I had thought last night when I was just thinking about the show and stuff, 
It's like we've been playing with fire for the last couple of seasons. And at some point you're going to get burned. Because if you get into a hole in this division, it is so hard to get yourself out of it. And like Clyde at the moment, there's in, in touch and distance, but you could easily see them, if the teams above them, including ourselves, get some wins on the board, they could be cut adrift, then you can breathe a little bit easier. They start putting a run of form together. You look at our 13 points. So we're averaging a point a game. We're over a third of the way into the season. Six of those points have come from Clyde. Four of them have come from Stranraer. So we've only taken three points from the other teams, other seven teams in the division. Now that's not sustainable because we've already just had our, our Clyde thing. If you look at the cup games, who did we beat in the cup? Albion Rovers, we've beaten Elgin. We, we're not producing the results. We're simply not good enough. I don't think anyone expected us to be where we are when you looked at that squad. We all spoke about, oh, this is quite a poor Scottish League 2 this year, the division. Anything that is not getting you into a playoff spot is completely unacceptable for me with how this division is. Bonnie Rigg, I mean, I'll give them a bit of credit as well. I think what they do, they do well. And I think they play a style of football that is very unfashionable in the modern game. And because of that, they get results because teams don't know how to handle them. And I think there's a, a place in the game for that, that kind of football. I used to love watching Wimbledon way back in the day when the crazy gang did all this stuff. And you, you get results. And it should be a case of like, whatever gets you out of this division is what you need to play. But that win for Bonnie Rig yesterday moved them up to, or kept them in fifth. So they're within two points now of fourth. We are currently sitting seven points off Spartans in fourth. And that is our best hope of getting into the playoffs because I don't see us catching Steny, Peter Headed and Barton. And we're 13 games into the season. It's that's absolutely my, unacceptable. That's my absolute problem. We're now, we're now looking at one position in the league as a hope because you're so far behind the top three. So uh, let's not be about the bush any longer. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll ask you all individually, why? Why are we in the situation you are? Could be finances, could be anything. Why are we in the situation or Gordon? Why are we in the situation we are in? Oh, can I say two things? You can mm -hmm. say as many things as you want. Oh. <laughs> I mean, this, this is not exhaustive, but um, yeah, I think on a, on a broader level, the club's been in like a malaise since COVID. Everything about it, it's just been drifting. That's what it feels like. Uh, more specifically about this season, I think. Um, in terms of recruitment, players are fine on ability. We've not recruited for enough character, and that's got us in a bit of bother. It's not exhaustive, but it's two things that come to mind. Aaron, any thoughts? Just underperformance. I think it's underperformance, as simple as that. You don't set objectives to finish top four and then be accepting of the fact that Clyde are shit. Because that's what it is. Or something mm -hmm. right. That's what it is. We're happy, or should I say, people are happy because there are definitely Clyde and Elgin who are absolutely worse than us. And and that's that can't be a barometer of success. 
You cannot be no. accepting that because that's just no standard whatsoever. Our objectives were top four and we're further, we're getting further and further away from that. And, and again, I'll come back to it. When we've played Stenhouse Muir, I wasn't impressed with them. They beat us 2 0, but they weren't great. They weren't a good side. Player for player, they are not better than our team, player for player. Um, there are teams in that league above us that again, player for player. Bonnyrigg's one of them. Whilst they've got their own Stoke City like style, player for player, they're not better than our team. They are not better than our team. Um, let's rephrase it, right? When you go back to the start of the season, I remember being excited before we played Peterhead at home because we had a little bit of a bounce from the end of last season where I still think if Scott Shepard doesn't get sent off, we go to a final of the playoffs. Um, so you're, you're going to have a bit of momentum. The the cup in the summer, well, it's a, a bit of a diddy cup. Results weren't bad. You got a couple of positive results. We beat Elgin, which we should have done anyway. A couple of good draws away from home against teams and leagues above us. Um, if you told me going into that Peterhead game, that 13 games later, you'd be sitting seven points away from fourth, I would have laughed in your face. I would, I would have been absolutely staggered. So for me, the it's obvious. The team is not performing to its full potential. And that can be because there's a gradual erosion of confidence with the results that are not coming. It could be the style of play that I've commented on before. Um, and for me, I just feel that serious questions need to be asked because the, the objectives aren't, aren't be there. Shouldn't be there. Um and it's for me it's maybe now time for a change. Yeah. Uh we'll come on to to that last point very soon. I, I just want to say that for me it's not working because the manager's not getting the best out of the squad. That squad on paper, and uh, sadly we don't play in paper, should not be where it is. There is way better quality in that squad, and we've seen it in flashes. And I'm not just talking about the Clyde games, but we have seen it in flashes. We saw it in the in the second goal last night. This team is capable of being way better than it is. I I posed the question to you guys in the chat, like, who's at fault? Is it Greg McDonald? Is it the tactics, which is partly with Greg McDonald, but it can also be the players not understanding what the manager's wanting. But the players themselves also have to take a level of responsibility. When that second goal went in last night, the second one was the free kick that went straight in, wasn't it? Yeah. You saw the frustration of the players that weren't in the box and they they were just like, the anguish and the look on their face, of oh, fuck, here we go again. I think Greg McDonald's lost that team. I think he's lost the locker room. I don't think they're playing for him. And I think there there needs to be a change. I don't think the Clyde game... It, all, all it does is paper over the cracks and you have to take that out of the equation. Obviously, after a win, you're not going to sack a manager. But it's not, for me, a case of, well, we've lost the next game, so now he has to go. It, it's a culmination of everything this season. I think we all agree we like Greg as a person. He's a great guy. He's a legend at the football club. His time here is up. And you've now got a 12-day gap until the next game which is the perfect time to make the change 
because you can now take your time. You don't have to rush to get the next person in, but the next appointment is absolutely critical to where East Five Football Club goes in the next couple of seasons. There is no point in rushing to to fill the appointment if you're going to get the wrong person in because you might... I would not see you giving a contract just to the end of the season for someone. You're going to give them a year and a half. So then if that proves not to be the best person that you've got in because it's the best that was available, that could be the worst thing as well. My long-winded way of saying that is I'm going to ask you all whether Greg should go now or whether we should wait till the end of the year. And the reason I'm saying the end of the year is I was just looking at the fixtures that's coming up. So we've got Spartans. So it's a big game if we are still targeting top four, which we absolutely should be. So that's next on December 2nd at home. Then at home to Elgin. A team below us have to surely win that. Steny away, obviously a tough one. Then we've got Bonnie Rigg at home and Forfort away. So your five December fixtures, you're looking at that and realistically, this squad should be looking at four wins. I, I feel from those. So if Greg McDonald could deliver four wins, then you give him to the end of the year. And I think we're safe. Dangerous to say that. I don't know that he can deliver four wins. That's my problem. And I, I think he, he needs to go now. And it, it's tough because I, there's not a lot of availability. But at the same time, you can't keep hold of him because you're waiting for someone to, be, to become available. So for me, he needs to go now, Doug. Um, um, yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I will absolutely go on record and say that any any um, dealings I've had with Greg when he's been manager has been nothing short of sensational like a top, top guy and an absolute legend of this club and that would not change at all. But I think something has to give because, like I said at the top of the show, we're just sleepwalking our way to being in the low league for me. Like, we really are. And I will say, for me, that's not Greg's fault at all. I think I think at a board level, we've been getting this wrong for since we sacked Darren Young like comfortably getting this wrong and it's just it's everything about the club at the moment for me and I know board members personally and I hate saying it but it's like amateur hour absolute amateur hour and I, th- I just think we're 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 just heading down that that path and I think as much as like when when we won on Saturday against Clyde I mean I guarantee there'll be these five hands who will be almost a bit disappointed how emphatically we won because it's like, oh, it buys them time. Of course mm-hmm. it buys them a wee bit of time. It's a hell of a result. And I would have loved if we'd gone into Bonnie Rig and won and we could have been on here going, oh, maybe they've turned a the corner because we all absolutely, especially in this podcast, adore Greg McDonald as a person. He's been fantastic with us. He's given up his time. I think he has to. I do. I think he has to go and I, I don't, it's just a tactical thing for me. I just don't think he, they know how to turn it around. I don't think they know how to change a game. I think if they get up in the game early, we'll win, probably. Or at least, you know, be in the game. But if we're down early, I just don't think he knows how to turn around. And I don't think the... I don't think the, I don't think the players... I don't think he's lost the dressing room for me. I, I don't think that at all. I think the players will still play for him. I just 
don't know if he's good enough. I think we all know that the, the running was between him and Gary Naismith. And the bottom line is the table doesn't lie for me. Yeah. Maybe I was harsh in saying that he's he's lost the dressing room because I am obviously a bit more remote. It just some of the body language of the players just feels to me that they they don't respond to him when he's asking them to do stuff. And now part of that might be on the player as well because I, I still feel the players have to take a bit of responsibility for where we are just now. But Gordon, your thoughts on Greg? I'm going to probably sit on the fence slash be a little bit of a shite bag here. But I, I'd probably... I, I don't I don't think anything that you've said or anything Doug just said there, you know, there's nothing I can really take much issue with. I, I'd probably err on the side of um you know, giving it giving it that wee bit longer, like giving it giving it to the end of the year possibly. Because um, I think, you know, you can still say that you know, last season was Last season was fine. Last season was was decent. Um, you know, we all kind of went into this season thinking that we had a chance of doing something, doing pretty well. Um, am I am I am I completely there about being convinced that this isn't just a bad start and it and it can't be turned around? No, I don't. I don't think I'm a hundred percent over that line yet. So I, th- I think it feels. It feels kind of fair to say, right? You've got you've got these kind of five games, and if we don't, you know, if we don't see something, if we see more of the same, we've got to make a change because then we can't, you know, you can't say with confidence that we think it's going to get any better. Um, you know what? I, I think what's what's making me more reluctant to say, yeah, we should um, we should make a change is. Do I have confidence that the board are going to pick a manager who's going to make much difference? Yeah. I've got to say, I just don't. I just don't. I, I think, think it'll be, God, it'll be more God, can, I, can I interject? Because, you know, we're not going to argue because we're all want the same thing. My, my problem with the on-field situation is Greg came in, took over a team that was struggling, Stevie Crocker's team. We all talked about in this pod about, you know, you got to give him time, got to make his own team, all that sort of stuff. He had a terrible run. We were like, well, we sack him. I'm like, no, he's taken over a pish team and he's he's trying his best. Right, he's turned them around. We've finished fourth. As you say, as Aaron said, we probably could have got to the final and we might be a League One team right now. It's now absolutely his team. And we're for me, my issue is that you've got winnable games coming up. Do you trust Greg to win the games? And I think my big thing is I don't. And it's like... No. I don't know who you bring in, like you say, but like Michael says, there's a wee bit of time. I just, that that's my thing. It is his team. He has, like we talked at the start about centre-halves, he has signed these players and it's not working. So why wouldn't we change it? Yeah. And like you said, I don't even disagree with any of that. Like, it's 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 just one of these things. I think, um, I think all of that is correct. It's just, I suppose if you, once you get to that point where you're like, no, I'm in the, I'm in the McDonald out camp. It's almost just like, you know, it's like probability. Like, what are the chances that we turn this around? And it's like, that, you know, that probability is just getting smaller and smaller. And then, you know, once it's past the wee threshold, you've got to kind of say, 
yeah, we've we've got to make the change. Um, but okay. I'm I'm probably just on that wee threshold. Okay, I'll ask another question. If Greg McDonald had never played a senior football league game for his five, would you want to sack him? Oh yeah, I mean that that's another thing. I mean, I, I, absolutely. I think that is that's that's kind of playing into it. I think one, if if he was just some random nobody that never played for his five, if he didn't seem like a nice guy and he didn't come across well when interviews, you know, if he was Billy Brown. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got. I've got to say, I'd, I I probably have a different opinion. But but that's the problem, and that's always been the problem with hiring a legend. It it it's it didn't work before. I mean, Christ, all the Rab Shannon and Rab Shannon wasn't a legend, but he played for the all these things. It doesn't. Stevie Kirk. Oh, well, Stevie Kirk's work. the best example. Didn't work, and it's like everyone's heart and the board, especially, and that's our problem for me. We've got fans, a lot of fans on the board. Who like us all will love have loved Greg McDonald as a footballer, everything he stood for as a player for his five during very successful days as well, which makes a big difference. And and they, they can't they're his pal, they're his friend, they're they are his champion, and they will not they won't sack him. I don't think they'll sack him. And and that's that's why, however big the problem is with for me. Greg, tactically as a manager, the bigger problem is upstairs because they won't sack him, in my opinion, until until we are in real shit, and then it's potentially too late. Aaron, what's your your take on on Greg? Should he be given a, a couple of extra games? I mean, the, the Elgin one in two games' time definitely looms large. I mean, I'm saying there's four winnable games from the next five. Maybe I'm being optimistic with the Spartans one, but there's definitely three winnable games from the, the next five. I think... Um, I'll just go out and say it. I, I, I think it's time to change it, personally. I think... Um, you've got that. You've got a little bit of time till the next game as well. You know, there's no game this weekend. So you have got time. I think there are... These five fixtures coming up will kind of determine what kind of season we're going to have in mm. the second half. Because if we continue to pod along the way we are, and on current form, we don't take maximum points out of those five. We don't get close to maximum points. Because as you've said, 10 or 13 points have came against two teams. And we don't play either of those two teams in these next five games. And... If you go into those games and pod along the way we are and continue to sustain what we're currently going through, we might be Elgin, we might be Elgin, but the gap would continue to get bigger to the top four. And the, the gap, because at some point, look, Ian McCall's a very, very good manager. Mm. That's one thing to note here. That, that is a coup for Clyde to get him out, the position they're in. And when he gets January, he's going to make signings. There is no way that he's taking that job on Unless he was told he could build his own team. It just, and he's got contacts as well. He's got fantastic exactly. contacts. Exactly. You do, you're do. you not Ian McCall and go to the team that's bottom of week two, stranded marooned almost because they are murder, without the promise that you can build your own team and make signings in January. So they will... I, I, I'm saying it now. Ian McCall keeps coming up this year, despite how bad they are. They, they won't get relegated this year for me because he's a good enough manager to turn them around the contacts he's got. You've got two options. You continue to go the way we are and 
the gap to top four gets bigger, or you look at a change and you maybe get a bounce and you go into these five games with a bit of freshness and you attack them and you go and get more points than you lose in these next five games, you can close that gap to the top four because that's the one thing this league has told us is that everybody beats everybody. And we've said it before, there's not a Sterling Albion this year who are going to run away with it, in my opinion. Although Peterhead have made a decent start, but everybody will take points off everyone in this league this season. So, yeah, the next five are crucial and that may, that, that determines if it's going to be a bit of a dogfight or if it's going to be a charge for playoffs. And the board need to be brave and make a decision that's objective rather than subjective. My concern is that they're not going to have the cojones to go and do it. That's my concern. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair con, concern to have. Like, I've just dug out uh, Greg's managerial record at East Fife. So this is across all competitions, I think. So including his four caretaker games, he's been in charge for 52 games. He's won 19 but he's lost 21 and there's 12 draws. So he's averaging 1.3 points from a game, but basically he's just lost slightly more than he's won. Now, I, you can put some of it on the fact that he he struggled to get some players in. Even this, he, I, I get what Doug's saying about this is his squad, he's built it. It's probably not his first choice squad, because there's players that haven't wanted to come here or has had more money from elsewhere. But he did build this team. And he's built this team to play the way that he wants them to play. And it, it's not pretty stuff to watch at times. And there was times in the Bonnie Rigg game that they came across quite clueless as to what they were trying to do out there. But I would say the manager can only do so much once the players are on the pitch and they do have to take that responsibility. But there needs there needs to be change. The, the thing that I keep going back to in my head, though, as to why maybe he should at least get to the end of December is I don't know who's available to come in that can be the guy that we need to come in. Because if we make the change now and the right person's not available, are we just kind of going from the frying pan into the fire? Can it be much worse? Well, I guess it could because we could get relegated. But you're going to be giving somebody a potentially a year and a half deal that might not be the right guy. But I think it's worth the risk. It just needs some freshness because this squad can definitely perform better than they're performing. I think we've maybe relied a bit too much on Fash and he's struggled. But as Doug said, he's kind of looking a bit more like his his old self. He's He looks sharp, he looks fitter. We haven't had that. The Elgin game's massive for me because if, if we lose to Elgin, we are in a lot of shit. But not just that, off the pitch, the fans are going to get bored. The fans are going to be like, well, I'm not coming along. It looks like we're going to make a, a loss for the last financial year. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere, I've got in my head 34,000, but don't take that as gospel. But I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere that that's a loss that's going to get announced. But we are going to make a, a financial loss in the year. So we need the fans coming through the the door. And if the team's playing badly, y- you can only go to the well so many times before the fans have had enough. And I think we're in a very critical bit on and off the field. 
We'll talk a little bit about the Supporters Society bid to buy the club in a sec as well. I just think we've got 12 days, get someone in, they can look at the squad, have time to work with the players, and then just try and move this, this team forward. But who do we get in? I'm not really looking for names here, but I'm just curious for your thoughts. Do we go for an experienced guy? And like you mentioned, Aaron, about Ian McCall coming into Clyde. I'm sure he's been of the opinion, look, they're bottom. If I can't keep them up, everyone knows they're pish. I've not really got a lot to lose here. It's kind of win-win for him. Because if he doesn't keep them up, they're going to be like, well, yeah, he took over a shit team. And if he does keep them up, it's like, oh, look what a great manager Ian McCall is. But he will have contacts. He will have things in the pipeline that I don't know that Greg will have. We just seem to be shipping out our under-20s at the moment as well. Which is that freeing up room to bring folk in? Or is it just that they're not good enough? Or that they're not going to be given the opportunity? Can they do much worse? But you don't want to put a young guy in potentially a relegation dogfight. But anyway, back to my point. Sorry, I'm waffling now. I'd like to know from each of you, do we go for an experienced head? Or do we get go for an ambitious guy from the lower leagues that's done well with teams in the lower leagues and wants his, his first crack maybe at league football? Doug? Oh, I actually think a big point of that goes back to what Gordon said of do we trust this current board to make the right call? Like, I don't... I, I was of the opinion at the time I thought Naismith was a better call than Greg McDonald. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that's been proved right because that would be, you know, making up stuff. Um I don't know. I generally don't know the the the, the right answer to that at all. I, I, I think you would enter same process. You would you know see who applies. You would interview and you would choose the right person. Hopefully, I just I don't know. I, th- I think it's I, I, at the moment. I think it's impossible. I think we're kind of stuck because do I think Greg could win three of the next five games? Yeah, I, like I, I, I could see that. But at the same time, are you just delaying the inevitable yeah. at the moment? And that's where that's where it's so difficult. And and again, why I'm so against hiring club legends as managers because it's always going to skew everyone's opinion of what's going on. It's going to skew the board's opinion because they want it to work desperately because he's a legend. It's going to skew the fans. But you're talking about like, oh, we need more fans through the door. I banged on about all season. We're charging eighteen pound to watch League Two. It's fucking embarrassing. Absolutely off the charts embarrassing. I speak to, in my job, I work with lots of male caddies who are all fans of various teams across the you know the UK, and without even knowing this, they laugh. They genuinely laugh at how much we're charging, and it's like, why would anyone come through the door unless we were winning a league, as an off chance to watch a game of football? They won't. It's, it's embarrassing. It puts me off going to the games. I'm not because I'm not a season ticket holder because of my job. It genuinely puts me off going to the games. I, I don't trust this board to make the right decision at all. So I'm going to renege on that answer. Yeah, I mean another thing, Gordon. Before we just get your answer, you've also got the thing like if Greg can get the results in the next few games, we should be safe. We might not make playoffs, but it's like we might just tick along to the end of the season. Then you get rid of him, and then there might be more available to come in and, and take his place. 
But going back to my question, would you rather see an experienced head now try and guide this ship or just some fresh, ambitious young blood from the lower leagues that's wanting to make their name? I mean, I think if that was the choice, I think I'd be tempted to play it a bit more safe and go with some experience. I think, you know, when you go for guys, you know, when you're, when you're talking about either guys with, who it's their first manager job, like maybe they've just retired as a player recently, or some guy that you've never really heard of, but he's doing all right with, well, Gallifrey Dean or something like that. It always seems to me like a big, you know, a big hit or miss thing. Like, you know, it's easy to point out the clubs that have done well because they've made the right uh, decision on one of these, but there are so many when it doesn't work out. And I kind of feel like we can't really afford, you know, particularly if you didn't, if if in this case where, you know, a couple of months time and we've lost all these games, there's no room for error. Like there's no, there's no room to kind of throw the dice a little bit. So I would be tempted if there was someone available, which nobody really springs to mind. But mm. if it was just someone with a bit of experience, like, yeah, you know, they almost certainly have failed somewhere or been relegated somewhere or done a bad job somewhere. But I'd probably just go with a bit of experience. What about yourself, Aaron? Would you like a, a new ambitious guy? Maybe somebody that's done well in, say, the Lowland League or in the West of Scotland League, or does it need an old, steady hand now? Honestly, I don't really care. I just want it to be the right fit. Yeah. Genuinely, like, I'm being serious. I'm, I'm being serious. I, I don't really care. I just want it to be the right fit. Um, they have to fit. I mean, let's look at it. If you're being honest about it, we've got concerns about the board, but really what East 5 should be doing if I've got the right model, is signing young players or bringing young players through, developing them, and then selling them and making money. Like that, that that's, that's the model that we should be aspiring to have. So therefore, you're looking for somebody who's got contacts that are well-established in the youth pathways across Scotland, um, who's got a coaching background of developing younger players and making them better and can then fit into that model. So I don't care if that guy's 75 or 35. I'm not really bothered by that because as you've all said, we've had different types of managers over the last 10, 15 years. We've had managers who, you know, are, are older and are more experienced. But we've had managers who, you know, have been legends of the club We've had guys in who have been assistant managers before and are now making a step up to be a manager. And bar Darren Young, has any been overly successful? I mean, what was Darren Young when he first came to us? How much experience did Darren Young have? Um, but he fitted into the model that the club should be. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters for me. Somebody who could fit into that model of attracting younger players, making them better, obviously getting results, but selling them on and making the club money because then you're not posting financial losses at the end of a year. My problem, and I remember Liam coming on talking about the under-20s and, you know, reminding us that they're all really young compared to the teams they're up against. Well, what use is that for us? Because they're just kids. So it's like we, we don't even people to... 
come through that team more regularly so that we mm-hmm. can sell them on. So we don't want them to be 15 years old and under 18 league or whatever. It, it, I just don't, it's not, it's so difficult to get these guys through. Like how, how, how successful has the under 20s been really? Like for me, I mean, the whole point at this level, I don't think it takes you to be spectacular under 20s to break into a Scottish League 2 or at least threaten. Yeah. And I just don't think we see it enough. So like for me, maybe I've totally got that horribly wrong. And I'm not, as I say, I'm not going to go to anyone, but I just, there's no, well, the, the, there's no link to that. And, and no. Like the, says, the, the whole model in a League 2 team is absolutely, without doubt, of you bring up kids, you sell them, and you make profit, and that keeps you running for the next five years. Yeah. That's that. That and, that and hmm, dare I say it, Scottish Cup runs. <laughs> but it is. But, but it has to be. It's always been. I remember yeah. going back to the, the mid-90s when we played Rangers at Ibrox. We made 150 grand that game. I always remember it vividly. I was 14 years old, and that kept us going for, the chairman at the time said, five years without putting any money in. That keep, and that sort of stuff at the end. That's what you do. But I just, nothing seems to be working at this club right now. There's no part of our model is good no. for me. The, like the pathway for me from the U20s, it, it seems broken when we just keep loaning the guys out and then they never seem to come back. When Greg got appointed, well, before Greg got appointed, I said the next manager, because it's a young squad, needs to be able to handle young players and develop them and bring them through. And I thought Greg would be a great fit for that because he'd been at Patrick Thistle's academy. But we've not seen the breakthrough of the players. Now, I don't know. Maybe that they've just not been good enough, which you then have to look at why that's the case, what was the recruitment in the U20s, or is it that their pathway has been blocked and they're not getting the opportunities? Should we be calling guys up I, I like I genuinely don't know like we, we would need to speak to Greg to see does he bring the 20s into first team training does he have them in and around the first team the, the top performers give them a, at least a fucking carrot or a hope but, that, but Michael, that they've got the something season, at the start of the season two of our inverted commas signings were two kids from the under 20s who genuinely I could not tell you their name because they've never featured yeah, uh, I, I can't even I, think who they are. I'm going to go for the boy Ramsey, maybe, that came on on, on Saturday. I, I genuinely don't know. So it's like you've, you've put them in the squad and they've, they've no played. And, and and you're talking about they're not playing in a team that are at best average at the moment. So what's the, what is the pathway? Like, and, it, and it, it's so quick. You, you, you fire them on loan to Dundonald Bluebell. And, and no offence to them, but this is it's dross football. Like, yeah. Are they getting that much... Ben, I mean, how many players can you think of in the last couple of years that went on loan to a a, a very lower ranked team and then came back from that to star in the first team? I, I can't off the top of my head think of many, if any. And I just, I don't know. I just, as I say, there's no, there's no plan at the club now. There's no, I, I, I just, I don't know our identity. I don't know what we're trying to achieve. I don't know where we're going at all and it, I just find it like I say under Darren it was I don't know we, you, you just had a Christ we were we were very close to League One playoffs going up potentially mm-hmm. the championship 
the football was fantastic. The crowds were great. It was, it was big and it was happening. And I think, and to be honest, we panicked maybe when we started struggling under Dan, because I think a few of us probably said, "Oh, it's time for a change." And let's face it, it was the absolute wrong call, absolute wrong call. Because the best guy to get us back out of League Two was the guy we just sacked, and that was that. That was the problem. But we don't have that leeway now, because if we then get relegated, we're done. And I, I've said yeah. this, and everyone goes, oh, everyone. I had a couple of people send me messages having a wee go because when I said, if we get relegated to the lower league, we're done, and I'm done. We are done because almost nobody comes out of the lower league. Oh, you might yeah. Come league, you might come out of the higher league, but you don't come out of the lower league, and that's been shown by every team that's been relegated. And I just, I just, I don't know. You know, we were kind of talking about, you know, the sad news about Billy McPhee and you heart back to this era and you're just like, where are we going? Like, who's guiding us and what direction are they trying to take us in? Because I, the only direction I see is south and it, it's sad. I, I mean, it, it feels it's getting worse every season for the last couple of years. D- just to... Quickly answer my question, then I'll come to Aaron because I've got a couple of questions about pathways and development. But I, I'd, I'd like to see us go for a, a younger guy. I, I think it's worth the risk. You, you look at a guy, and I'm not saying him because I also don't think he would come here in a, in a million years. Mick Kennedy, uh, East Kilbride. He did it with Darville. He's doing it with East Kilbride. These are the kind of guys... Now, he's maybe not everyone's favourite looking at some of the faces, and I know some folk don't like his personality, but he gets results. And yeah, he's had money bankrolling him, I guess, which helps a little bit. But that's the kind of guy, somebody that's gone and done it is who I'm thinking you want to try and give a chance at league football. He's probably looking at it going, I've probably got a better chance of staying in League 2 with East Kilbride than I have by coming to East Fife. But my question for Aaron. I'm a bit out of the loop. The under-20 quality, the league, the under-20 league, how does that compare for a young guy, say, to going to Dundonald Bluebell? When I was last over, I went to see a Scottish Cup tie, and it was Dundonald Bluebell, funnily enough, which is the team that that Doug had mentioned. And it, it was a decent enough level. It didn't seem too far off summer league two, but... What's the benefit of putting a young guy in there where you're going to have a few hammer throwers and it doesn't strike me as a place that players are going to develop the way that maybe East Fife would want them to develop? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things in there. I think the first thing is, I think the pathway's there. Like, there is a pathway from the bottom, and I mean the younger years up, and I'm talking real young years, I'm going back to primary school kids and you're building up because the Community Football Club have done a brilliant job with that, by the way. So, like, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the under-20s. Let, let, let's go before that. Bayview is packed every night with kids playing football. Every night it's packed with kids playing football. Local talent playing football. Um, your local high school, Leavenworth Academy, performed well year after year in every five schools event, every Scottish schools event. Um, there's a community partnership there with Leaving Mouth Academy and let's have it right that's what you want isn't it that's what you want that's the dream for a club like East Fife is to have local young players come through be developed and be sold on that's that's what you want 
the comment about the under-20s having a young squad is that you, you've got to remember as well that the East Fife Community Football Club is about developing players. It's about developing them over a period of time that will get them into the first team. And when you've got guys like, you know, Tony McMahon, who's back in there, who's coaching, is unbelievable. You've got guys like that there. If you could have these boys with Tony for a year, two years, maybe even three years, they're going to be good players. Because remember, Tony was Darren Young's assistant. Mm-hmm. He was Darren Young's assistant when things were going well. So what they're doing is they're looking to bring these players in young and develop them. And the standard under 20 football is good, by the way. Technically, technically and tactically, it's, it's very good. But the reason why they then get put out on loan to your Dundon or Bluebells, to your East of Scotland sides, is for exactly that, is to physically develop them, physically and mentally develop them. It's to toughen them up, to get them ready for men's football, because the vast majority of under-20 sides play on a 4G pitch. You train on 4G pitches. You know, you don't, you won't come across many pitches like Bonnie Rigg last night under-20 level. So by putting them out on loan to these clubs, it's about developing them as people as well as physically and making them toughen up a little bit. So that if and when the call does come to move into the first-team squad, technically, tactically, they're ready for under-20s, but physically... And mentally, they've had wee stints on loan that are going to develop them. So, in time, I don't think the time's now, because as we have said, they're in their 20s. In fact, that's not fair. There are a few in their 20s that I think are good enough to go and, and stake a claim. You know, they could. They can't play any worse than what some of the players have been no. playing. Um, they can't. And the thing that I, and I've said this for years about young players is, a lot of young players are fearless. They, they don't have the experience of failing at such a level. You know, they don't carry that baggage. So they just go and have a go. And a lot of them will express themselves. And we're missing that a wee bit because of mm-hmm. the lack of confidence. But we are missing that. That bit of unpredictability. You know, like, you talk about how often we get the ball and it goes to Jack Keeley, cuts inside, puts it in the car park or puts the cross at the corner flag. But it's, it's the same every week. Cut inside... And teams have become wise to it. You're actually wanting fearless young players who could step up and have a go. Go and have a go. The thing, and the problem is putting kids in a struggling team and in front of, especially at home, fans yeah. that are not are not patient at all. Are, you know, not I was the, just the, thinking that. It, it, I, I agree. There's no, there'd be no harm in it, but. Mm-hmm. I, and that's where it's difficult because a kid could either thrive on that absolutely or completely freeze under that situation. But then it's learning. It's mm-hmm. learning. You know, like they go back to under 20s. They go back to under 20s and they play under 20s for another couple of months. Um, and then they step back up. But, you know, the, the, the thing with it is that with, you're never going to find out if you don't do it. And and we're talking about things being negative now. This whole show's been negative because of the current situation we're in. Yeah. Well, it's so, hard to find positives just now. That's the thing. But would they do worse? Like, would some of these younger players do worse than what we're currently doing at the moment? Mm-hmm. I, I find it hard it, to argue. Is it still the case that 
like if a guy has performed really well for the U20s, Greg can say, I want to reward you, put you on the bench for this next game. So we can still do that at any point, can't we? Because yeah. o- over here yeah. you can't, which pisses me off so much because it's like that's a development pathway that's blocked because it's like you have to be on their roster and all that shit. But that's always been the good thing about in Scotland and England. If a guy has done well in the academy, you can go, you've earned that, son. You might not get on, but at least you're part of the first team and it shows that we're watching you and taking an interest. Now, I, you, I, I don't know who can answer this, like probably none of us, but just a question to throw out if anyone even wants to let us know on Twitter. How closely do the club watch our guys that go out on loan? Like, do they get a weekly or a monthly dossier? Do they keep in touch with the player? Do they have a weekly Zoom meeting going, oh, how did it go this week? Maybe I'm asking a bit too much professionalism from a, a small team, I don't know, but do we keep track of these guys or do we just look at the stats? Oh, he played, oh, he scored. Like, we, we need to be, like, breaking down, speaking to the manager of that club and going, tell me what you thought of him in the last couple of games. I hope we're doing that because otherwise, what's the fucking point? It's what a professional club would do, Michael. Yeah. So just to answer that, I can't comment on everyone, but um, I was part of the conversations about Calm Hambrook going to Lynn Lithgow Rose. So a friend of mine is the assistant manager at Lynn Lithgow, and he asked my opinion on Hambrook, and honest is, I don't know, I've not seen enough of him. But he said he thinks East Fife would loan him, um, and I basically put him in contact Um with Greg and about a week later he's away but what I do know is Lynn Lithgow will send these five videos of their matches now whether these five choose to then watch that yeah is, that's the thing but, is, but they, they do through obligation send videos in of each match that Cam Hambrook plays I genuinely would love to know uh, if Greg or someone one of his coaching staff or somebody watches those do they get in touch with the player Maybe weekly is asking a bit much, but at least monthly. How do you feel it's going? What do you need to work on in your game? Do you feel you've improved since you've left here? We need someone that's doing that if we're not. Otherwise, these guys... When did we last bring someone through that that we sold on? Well, I mean, look, like... Devils, look, Jack Healy's come through. Uh, Brogan Walls has come through. You know, there's there there are people there. Liam Newton's probably come through. So th- I'm not saying it's like no happening. Do you know what I mean? Like it is, but I'm just meaning that I don't know. It's 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 probably not enough, maybe. And and I always feel like the way the East Fife Community Club is run seems fantastic. Yeah, like Aaron said it. Like I've got many a mate who've got kids that go and they sing highly of it. It's very good. Bayview's mobbed all the time, but but East Fife Football Club don't really run that. I think if that's correct, the separate entities. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Separate so entities. so so we're not giving we're not giving the club the credit for this fantastic venture that's run because it's not them that's running it. No. Yeah. And, I, I, and, I, the issue you've got, mate, the thing that the last thing I want to say on that bit, right, is that whilst you want to produce your own players and move them from, you know, 14s to 15s to 16s and blah, 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 to the 20s, and you gradually build them through your own pathway, 
but you can attract players at under 20s because if they could see that there's a, a door being open to the first team football, it's very easy to attract players. Like I, I know players right now, for example, who are in the B teams of certain clubs and their pathway to the first team is blocked. It's blocked. And, you know, knowing some of them, like actually knowing some of them, um, they are open to going to clubs like East Fife and that even means playing for the under-20s for a spell if there was a platform that they could then take the step up into the first team quicker than what they would do at their current clubs. You know, so that's and that's what I was going on about when I got asked about who, who would you like to see if... Because if, well, let's have it right as well. It's is a, a wee bit disrespectful because Greg's still on the job. But, like, if you just want the right fit in terms of somebody who can make that make those connections and produce these players and push them on. You know, so players would. Players would come to his, younger players would come to his five and you could get good under 20 players of 18, 19 who are physically a bit more developed than what the younger ones currently are in under 20s. They would come if they knew and saw evidence that there's a platform to get into the first team. Mm-hmm. Because then they also know like they're betting on themselves of if I get a chance of first team football, I can show what I can do and then hopefully the bigger clubs come courting. Because ultimately, that's what these guys want when they're playing in the bottom divisions of Scottish football. They want to stand out and say, look, this is what I can do. So the onus is on them as well. They need to be in an environment where they can shine. But Yeah. No, they do. They do. There's... There's a lot more we could talk about. I'm I'm aware we've probably we're at probably about hour and twenty just now. I want to talk a little bit about the board, but maybe we'll have a general discussion the next podcast. I mean, the next podcast since it's not a game, it would maybe be a good one if we can get us all at a time again to chat about more of the off field stuff. But I w- want to just talk in general about the the board and Doug. You've already kind of brought it up. I'm picking my words carefully, partly because obviously Lee's involved with the board with the commercial side and stuff as well, who I feel do a great job. What I would say, though, is, like, Scott Young is, like, banging it out and not outside Doug's window for once, but he's banging out all these products. And it's asking a lot of the fans to keep supporting it and buying all these products, and it's great. We've wanted this for a while, but it's, like, never-ending. So you've got that them them asking for money. You've got the supporter society asking for pledges for the takeover bid. I feel there's a limited amount of spare cash that folk have at hand. And I also feel there's a limited audience that's willing to put their hands in the pocket to support the club. And we don't know how much the board are putting in from their own pockets to keep the, the club afloat just now. But... We'll briefly touch on this, and if we want to have a more expansive thing in a future episode, we can. I just have concerns as to where the money comes from. Like, I want the club to be fan-owned, but I have concerns as to how sustainable it is once the purchase is made. If we're talking about just now, the money's not there to bring people in and get us to the levels that we want to be. Is the money going to be there in the future if the fans take ownership of the club? to get us out from being a, a lower bottom division side. Maybe start with Gordon yeah. 
for this one actually because Gore's been quiet for the last no, ten minutes. We've not we've not given him a chance to speak. Too quiet. I mean, I suppose uh, one thing he said there. Don't know. Don't think anybody knows. Like as one. I mean, we were talking about this. Does you know? Is is anyone putting money in T's five? Because I think it's one of the things that obviously gets said about the fan ownership. Like, oh, how are they going to put money in? I've got no idea how much money anybody's putting in T's five. We're all pretty sure that Rankin is not putting money in T's five. I don't know if anyone else is, and you know, I suppose that's the thing that's not sustainable. Um, I feel like you can always run a football club sustainably. Um, you know, what level that gets you to is another question but but these things are or, or what level that drops you to yeah um but these things are not fixed as well right like you know it's difficult to say because you don't know the details of all these clubs but you look at someone like Montrose I am pretty sure that they are bringing in more money than they probably ever have in our lifetimes now compared to 10 years ago so it's not the case that these things can't be moved um you know, you're bringing up like, you know, some of the merchandising and how much are people putting money into the club? Um, and I think it's one of these things again. I think another thing that's in short supply is probably enthusiasm. Yeah. I think that has been dropping for a long time. You know, and that's the reality of it. When people don't feel that, you know, when they're not excited about the club, when they don't feel that. The club's going in the direction when they don't feel that they know what's going on, when they don't know that what's been done is in the best interest of the club, when they don't think that there's any plan and, you know, it's just like, oh, the, you know, the best we can hope for is that we just muddle around League 2 for a few years and don't drop into the low league and don't just disappear. That's not getting anybody enthusiastic and anyone excited about being an East Life supporter. It's not going to make anyone want to be an East Life supporter. But the reality is, I think, other clubs have shown it's not easy and it's not a case of just yeah deciding we're going to make everything better it'll probably be a lot of hard work but other clubs have shown you can you can change direction on these things and we're talking about you know Greg McDonald do we think he's going to get the on-field direction of the club changed over the next while you know well the question is do we think that the off-field direction is going to change I mean no it's not going to change. We're going in one direction at the moment, as uh, and to do that, and things change, and it's not going to be changed by, you know, it's not because the fans only put enough money in their pockets. Like I think, as as Doug's already said, just from tickets alone, that we're putting more money and taking more money out of our pockets than anybody else is. Um, there's more fundamental things that that need to be better at the club. Um, and I, at the moment, I do not have confidence that, that those things are going to change. I think these things are fundamental. The ownership is absolutely at the core of that. I think it's, I imagine it is very difficult to get the club where it needs to be whilst that is not resolved. Um, but that's, you know, that's one issue. And I suspect, you know, I think we all hope that the the fan ownership bid um, is successful. But I think it's, you know, one of these things that is the start of the hard work, probably not the end of it. Yeah, it's very, very much the start of it. And I think they're they're aware of that, and I think everyone wants this to succeed. My my ideal situation for the club would be like what they have in Germany, like fifty plus one, 
So the fans own the 51% and then someone else or a couple of folk own the other 49 You have to find those other folk. They're not in plentiful supply. And if they don't have an overall say, they're less willing to, to put money in. But I, I like that way forward. But Doug, I know you've got some strong thoughts on all, all of this. I, I just don't trust how we're run. Like, I, I just don't. Like, and I know personally some board directors, and I'm not having to go individually at them, and none of us are. But I, th- I just think we're run terribly just now. I think everything about us is absolute amateur level. The £18 to get on, said it millions of times, is scandalous. It's absolutely scandalous. And it's in tough times, financial times, I get it that it's, you know, it's expensive to run electricity at our football club. But just to hammer the fans and make the away fans not come is an own goal that is off the charts. And every away fan, I reckon our numbers will be way down of what they used to be, because why would they come for it? I wouldn't go to Clyde away for 18 quid. Stuff that. I thought the the new home strip fiasco, was for me, was embarrassing. It's like, oh, no, let's buy our 120th. I mean, for one, 120 isn't even an anniversary. But they, 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 Yeah. But it's not. But they do this packaging thing where they send you an email with this gorgeous strip it looked fantastic it generally did i was really excited about it. put my dad's name on it you know paid 100 quid i was oh, i'll be a nice wee homage to my late father blah 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 and then you get this horrific box it's embarrassing it like i mean it's so big the 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 strip is like apricot and gold which doesn't go with like which would have been fine if the scarf was the same color, yeah. If the pin badge was the same color. It's fucking. It's embarrassing. It's and, and it's it's everyone laughs about it. It's not laughable. No, you're paying the money for this, and it's a fucking joke. And whoever decided that was the, the way forward needs to go because it's embarrassing. Everything about what we do, our hospitality used to be great. It's fucking terrible. It's terrible. The last two two or three times I've been to hospitality, it's pish. It's not worth it. And I've said to friends, if we're going to go to an East Fife game, we'll go to Agenda, we'll get a nice dinner for a lot cheaper, we'll have a few pints and we'll nip up to the football. It's not worth it. It's Everything we do at the moment is not good enough. It's not good enough. And we joke about it. So we all went down to Oswestry, spent a fortune. because all. And remember, all this I'm saying is, who's paying for this? Me, you, everyone. We're putting our hands in our pocket. We're trying our best to do it. We'll... I didn't need to pay 100 quid for this box. Why did I do it? Because I want to help the club. Pay 100 quid. Cool. Done. Pitch. We go down to Oz Westry. I phone the club and say, we're going down on the Friday. I've heard the strips are available. Can I get my strip? No, because yours comes in a nice box. All right. Okay. I won't be able to wear this nice new strip. I go down there. There's quite a few people wearing this new strip. That makes me feel a wee bit sad because I would have liked to. You come back. I go, I go to the club to pick up said strip and they just give it to me. I didn't have to show ID. Nothing. I just gave a name. They gave me the thing. 100 quid's worth, apparently. Uh, I don't know how much it cost, Michael, but I'm guessing well north of £20 for the club to send that massive monstrosity to Canada. £32.80. It, it's embarrassing. And they'll blame, and the thing is, they'll blame someone else. Every time they'll blame someone They'll blame Football Nation. They'll blame, you know... Oh, I watched the, the game at uh, Peter Heed and the first half you couldn't watch it because oh the camera's not working they'll go oh that camera's not been working most of this year we didn't bring an extra one because we thought it was fixed 
It wasn't fixed. It was pish. So you're asking people to pay for things. It's not working. It's amateur hour and it's getting a joke. And the reason it's getting a joke is because it's drifting onto the football park. We're now amateur on the park. Everything's getting less. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And we're becoming a laughingstock. And once the shite has been removed from League Two, you're Clyde, you're Elgin. In three years' time, the next team on that list at the moment is East Fife, bottom line. And, and, and like we're talking about this ownership thing, of course the ranking thing has been a disaster and we all want him out. I'm a passionate, passionate East Fife fan. I have not put money into this new venture because I don't know anything about it. Because for my eyes is, so we just keep putting money in per month and then, you know, what happens if things go wrong and we suddenly need to spend 300 grand on a new pitch? Like, do, do I pay for that? Like, every venture needs a money man, surely, or people with money. I don't have money. I'll happily chuck in 50 quid a month, but what what's that actually doing? It, it's just, we're just... People are swanning about, like, with this thing of, I'm, a, I'm an East Fife this, I'm an East Fife that. I'll tell you what you're doing. You're killing our club. You're dragging us down and you will finish us. Because as soon as we go down, and that's where we're headed... We're done. And it, it just, I, I'm sorry, this is a huge rant. And I don't want to upset people because there's people on the board, as I say, who I genuinely like and have a lot of respect for. And the time they're putting in, and, and Jim, all these guys, the time they're putting in is fantastic. And it's more than I could do. But the bottom line is they're absolutely failing the fans and it, it's the fans that are paying for it out of their own pocket. And it's 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 shit. It's a, I think it's the worst is it worse than Derek Brown? I don't know. Maybe not quite, but it's, it's no. certainly awful. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think it's as bad as that. I, like I know the board. If the board listen to this, I know Lee's going to get it in the ear. So apologies for Lee, but everything you're saying, it's from the heart and it's off your chest. And I think from reading stuff, uh, there's an East Five fans WhatsApp group. It mirrors what we see there. You look at the Facebook comments, and I know social media is not a great gauge for general stuff sometimes, but there's an anger there, and it's rising. And the danger is that it either boils over or becomes apathy. And if it, if the fans become too apathetic, then we're in big, big trouble as well. I've got some things on the strip that I'll share in a sec, but we'll go to Aaron as well, because I know you also had some strip issues but just your your thoughts just generally and the off the pitch side of things just now yeah with, with the strip um the thing with this that annoyed me was i got one for myself one for my son and rudy is at the time 17 18 months so it was a two-year-old top two to three-year-old top i got him um ordered that way back in was it april time when it first came out and april i think it was May, yeah, I think it was Joma who were the brand mm -hmm. suppliers at the time, and obviously that changed. But that changed during the summer holidays. That changed a wee while ago. So anyway, I went to pick the top up um, at the at Bayview, and as I went to pick it up, I've opened Rudy's top up, and it's a five-year-old, five to six-year-old. So it's like a, genuinely, it's like a night and going on. It's huge. He'll grow into it. When I said, though, when I said to the club, I was like, well, 
because I emailed and Leona got back to me and I said, well, what's the script here? Because I ordered a, a two to three-year-old top. Like, nobody's communicated with me to tell me that that size is no longer available. Um, nobody's told me that Joma are... Is, with Joma going, the new company can't produce that size of top. Nobody's communicated this. And then even then, not that I would, because there's a sentimental side of it with my granddad and Rudy's name on the top, but nobody even offers you a refund when you re- when they realise that you've got the wrong size of top and you've not communicated it to the fan who I think for Rudy's top was like 40-odd pounds. And that's for a two- to three-year-old top. 40-odd pound it cost me for that. Again, no issue. That that doesn't matter. The price is the price. That doesn't matter. But it's the process of not communicating with us and then just expecting us to just be, all right, fair enough, no bother. Like, what if I wanted Rudy to wear that top? Like, what if I wanted him to cut about in that? Whereas now, he's never going to, he's not going to fit in that for another three years. So the top's going to be three years old at that point. It's no longer 120 years anniversary. So, no, but he can what, wear it when we're celebrating our Easter Scotland Division 1 title. We beat Dunbar. Um, but I think that, so that, that was a concern for me. Another thing that was concerned for me, and this, this really bothered me, I've never actually shared this with you guys, about a year ago, and this was actually before we and, and Scott got involved, was that it was it was the anniversary of my granddad's death and there was a home game that we went to hospitality for. And my mother-in-law had reached out to the club. I didn't know this at the time, but she had reached out to the club to say, look, can we look at doing something in the programme like for my granddad or, or for Rudy? It was something like that, right? But nobody ever got back to her. Like, nobody got back to her. Wow. But then, to make it worse, she reached out to them and asked about hospitality. They got back within minutes. So as soon as they realised that it could get them money for hospitality, there was an instant reply. Instant reply. Wow. And she never got a response about the programme. Again, I didn't know anything about it at the time. It was only later I found out about that. That's just shit. That, 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 that is. So poor. You know, and, and the thing is, that, but that puts people off. That's the other thing. That does put people off. Mm-hmm. Not saying for a fact that my whole family would go to Bayview, because they wouldn't. But those kind of experiences, people talk. People pass that on. It's a shit show. It's a real shit show. Um, in terms of off-the-field stuff, my concern is with this supporters' trust. I've got huge concerns about this. Huge concerns. Um, they've not communicated anything to us about what their business plan is. We know nothing about where the money's coming from. We know nothing about what their plans are with the current board, if they're successful. They've shared nothing to do with a vision for us. As we've said, the Community Football Club and East Fife Football Club are separate entities. Is there any thought? Is there any thought about bringing them two together as part of a takeover? Um, what are the links going to be with the local community? You know, what business acumen do we have within this setup that can tell us that this is going to be a sustainable and financially rewarding project? And and if I'm sticking five pound in, or my next door neighbour sticking fifty pound in. What did he get for the extra £45 a month that I don't get with my £5 a month? It's shit. Like, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I've gone off them. Like, I've genuinely gone off them. And 
what they're doing wrong is, and the, there was a, a thread put out by somebody recently, and he's fucking clueless, I don't know who it was, but he's put out this thing about how there needs to be, this is your opportunity, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Go and sell it to us. Sell it to us, because we're all ears, we're all willing to listen. Make us put our hands in our pocket. But you've not done it. You've you've just went to people's, you tried to appeal to people's better nature because they're a fan of the club. That's all you've done. You've not proven yourselves to be savvy business-wise. You've not presented a vision of where the club's going to be in three years and five years' time. There's nothing. So why should we go and put our hands in our pockets for something that could be a shit show? Yeah, I, I haven't committed yet because I need to see more. Because I'm, I'm at an age in my life now, I'm starting to think towards retirement, and it's like every penny counts, and it's like I want to know that I'm not just, for want of a better word, just pissing my money away, and it's just, it's not going to have the change that I need and want to see. But if me, if Michael, if me and Aaron could do the fucking East Fife podcast, are not willing to go, do you know what? Yeah, I'll put money in. Then who is? And, and that's the problem. That That, that is absolutely... And a lot of the hardcore the fans, and I know we talked a little bit about this at the start, but we're losing some of the older fans as well. It's like a lot of the real hardcore guys are the older guys. We just lost another one today. Well, not. it was announced today, Eric Walker. I've known Eric for a number of years. He's been around the club. Rab Waddle, we had our tribute to him a couple of shows ago and just to, as an aside just want to say Rab such a gentleman and used to drive me to the odd games and stuff as well before I got my license and it's not going to be the same without guys like him around but the sad nature of it is guys are getting older guys are passing away and you're relying on a younger fan base that's got other priorities and somebody that might be willing to commit 10, 20, 50, just now, in two or three years' time, they might not be able to. So what's the sustainability for paying back a 20-year loan if nobody really knows what the future is going to hold in store for them personally? Someone could have an extra kid and money's tight. Someone could get paid off because AI's taking their job or whatever. They could be AI caddies next, Doug, and then you're you're screwed. <laughs> Probably be better actually at picking the club for the guy, but that's a whole aside. Yeah, no, no, that, that that's very true. I think uh, my wee Nicole would agree with you that she needs an AI caddy. <laughs> but I just wanted to say about the strip as well. Thirty-two pounds eighty to send that strip to me. I have bought strips from other clubs in the UK that's been about that price with shipping that's like a fiver because it's just a strip. Because this came in a fucking pizza box. And when it arrived, I hadn't told my wife about it. And she just saw it on the floor and she's like, what's that? I was like, oh, it's my East Fife presentation box. And she just laughed. And then I showed her it. And she's like, why is the scarf a different colour from the strip? I was like, don't get me started on that. You don't want me to go on the, on a big rant to you. But she just found it laughable. And then when she found out that the box basically was just an adhesive sticker on it, she was like, how much did you pay for this? I went, oh, the whole thing was £100. And she went, what was the postage? I was like, 17 So the postage that they charged me was half the price that actually fucking cost them. If they'd said to me, look, 
this is going to cost a lot of money. Do you actually want the box? I'd be like, no, it's fine. Just send the strip and the scarf. I don't need this fucking box. It, if you, if you, if it becomes a collector's item in years to come, someone's going to look at that box and go, yeah, where's the proper presentation box? I'd be like, no, this was honestly it. It's laughable. Also, if I'd known that the scarf and everything was going to be a different colour, I would just have bought the strip. It's like, it just looks so stupid. It's a nice scarf. Is the whole thing worth £100? No, it's not. But again, we've paid the money because we're fans and we're, like, we're giving a little bit extra to the club. They probably lost some money in sending it to me and to Australia and all these other folk around the world that they sent it to. But Michael, apologise. Just say to them, look, to be honest, we had to change provider from Joma to area. That made it difficult. I get that. Apologise. Just say it's not been quite what we wanted. But there's nothing. Yep. It's like, ah, they'll pay it. They'll get it. They don't, we don't care. We don't care. We'll put something nice on social media. But it's just, it's, it, honestly, it's... If you bought, if it wasn't East Fife, if it wasn't a football thing, and you bought a shirt or something, a t-shirt, whatever, in a presentation box, and that was what you got, you'd ask for a refund. What, you'd a send that back. A presentation box is a hard-backed, kind of almost like a book cover thing. It's, yeah, it's like what the mystery strips small, go out in. It's it, Exactly. But even a little bit posher. I've had, I remember the Scotland uh, 150 thing the sent Tartan Army. It was classy. That's what I was it. expecting, stupidly. And Michael, the club will blame, blame Football Nation. That's exact. That, they've already, I've already heard that. And it's like, you know, that's not good enough. That As a consumer, as the customer, that's not good enough. Because... The, it, I, if I if someone else is at fault, then they need to go back to who's at fault and say, well, we're not paying for this. Yeah, and we're not wanting our fans to pay for it either. They don't care what the fans pay for, Michael. They charge us £18 to get in to watch League Two football. It's the bottom line. That's when it all started to go fucking horribly wrong for me. It's... I, I know it feels like we're just piling on the board just now and they're going to certainly feel have, that way as well. But Michael, Michael, we have to. Oh, no, I know. No, nobody else gets this opportunity that we get yep. in this position we have self-appointed ourselves in. But, like... It's true. No, nobody gets that chance. And look, C I'll, come on I and know, answer the questions as well. If, if you've got issues, fact, I know for a fact there'll be a couple of board members who will now go. Doug Perry's a dick. I couldn't give a shit anymore. I, I generally couldn't because the bottom. I think they already is, think that about me, so I'm fine. Well, yeah, that's probably true. Gordon, we've not heard from you again for a while. Come on. Hopefully, your internet's better because it was coming and going. But we got most of your points the last time. And then we will, we'll wrap things up because this yeah. I knew this was going to go long. I haven't even had lunch yet. Uh, so I had to go and get a charger from my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've missed the last five minutes. Oh, uh, you've not missed much. Uh, I was just writing about how much it cost to send a strip to me and stuff. Yeah, it's just... Uh, I mean, I think all of us have said in some words to some effect that the run in the club hasn't been good enough and it's for years and it's you know it's the overall direction of the club but it's lots of little things you know just just little things like yeah the colour of the strip you're just like right well it's an orange strip is that was it that difficult is it that difficult yeah. to get how, how can they look at that though and say yeah that's not what we want 
there surely yeah. had to be a, a, at least a, I'd rather have yellow than fucking orange. And I know yeah. they'll point back to this, the early 70s strip, which was orange. But, but it's a 120-year anniversary strip. What was our colours 120 years ago? Green and white hoops. Amen. Oh, no, so, not 120. Oh, no, it was 120. It was green and white hoops. Yeah, so it's not a 120th anniversary strip if it's paying homage to the 70s. I don't think we'd have got away with a green and white hoop strip. No, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. But what I'm saying is our colours have been this and this yep. for quite a long time now. Yeah. And they've decided to pay homage to the, you know, the early Gordon Judy years, but in an 120th anniversary strip, when 120 years ago our colours were green and white. So I, I don't know what... But it also doing. doesn't feel like an anniversary season either. I'm not just talking about performances on the pitch. It's like if you're making a big deal of it, there has to be a bit more. I don't know why it wasn't one two five, which is when most folk would do stuff. Have they been desperate for money just now so they've had to make it 120? Because 120 does seem a, an odd anniversary. I, I, I don't get that. I will say I do love the video that they've done with PG Charletta with his new song and the, the strip release. I'm, I'm assuming the Got Got Need one is coming up soon. Uh, why wasn't he wearing a New Year's Five strip? That was the only thing I thought. I watched the whole thing and I thought, the song's good, it's good. Why wasn't he wearing a New Year's Five strip? I thought he was. No. I need to watch that back. My phone's died. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think he was, which was bizarre. No, he was. No, he wasn't. You can, well, I don't, I, I'm 90% certain he wasn't. Anyway, we've interrupted anyway, Gordon again. Yeah, back to, sorry, Gordon. Back to the back to you while I check this. No, I don't think I have much to add. I'm just saying. I mean, I think it's all, all these things. It's just it's a collection of little things, and there's just yeah. too many things. I mean, the strip colours, the delays, the pizza boxes. I mean, you know, any one of these individual things, and you go, right, I fine. I mean, maybe. I mean, well, the colour of the strip, but any one of these things, and I think you just. You brush it off, you pass it off, but um, it's all of them. I mean, even the little things as well, right? Like, how many years could you just hear nothing said over the Tano East Five? Years and years mm. and years and years. Either it was too quiet, or it was just you couldn't make it out. And now we've got we've got a Tanoi that pumps out music about five hundred decibels, and you're like, could you know? Could there not just be some middle ground between awfully quiet and just ear burstingly loud and it's just you know there's just lots of these little things and what it does is just it just frustrates people and you just think can we not get anything right if we kind of get these little things right how many away fans have talked about how many away fans have talked about when they're at the ground they hear the stadium announcer talking like just Ah, just having a conversation yeah because the mic's still on and nobody's yeah yeah Uh, and it's like who are you talking to turn the mic off i mean genuinely God rest his soul, Davy Marshall, absolute legend. He used to blow into the microphone instead of speaking to see if it was on. He would go, and you're like, well, well just speak. And if they hear you, it's on. It, it's stuff like that. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm surprised nobody, nobody's taken the microphone into the toilet yet and just let everyone hear them having a pitch. That would be, be a good laugh. Ah, oh, um, for some reason, I'm struggling to find that video. But anyway. Um, just one thing about the last thing about the colour of the strip, and then we'll just wrap things up. So obviously you guys were all down at the TNS game, so I listened to it on the New Saints radio, which was a lot of fun. 
and the commentator was going, he's five in there, black and orange strips. And all these five fans, it's black and gold, it's black and gold. There you go. There's somebody that has no fucking idea who we are. Yes, we're playing in black and orange. My man Tours a big Hull City fan, and he instantly went, hey, but the same strip as me. Yeah, pretty much. Um, We'll just wrap things up. Unless Does anyone have anything they want to finally say about the board, about Greg, anything at all? We won't bother with 3-2-1s. We can... I know we probably should, but who cares? Um, any final thoughts for you? Any of you guys around that? Or will I just go around you all for just some final thoughts in general? We'll just go around for some final thoughts in general. Let's start with Doug then. Um, anything funny you want to end in? Anything upbeat? Not really. I'm at my last uh, caddying tournament of the year, which is quite nice in sunny Spain. Hopefully the weather's not too bad back home, but it's beautiful out here. Uh, no, I don't really have. I mean, again... I just want to reiterate that I'm not having a go at individual people on the board because I've been very vocal tonight about a lot of things. Uh, I also will be absolutely unapologetic for being vocal about these things because it's the club that I love and care about. And yeah, so I'm not I'm not going to apologise for it, but I'm also not individually attacking people. But uh, the bottom line is, all round at East Five, we must do better. I've just finally found... Um, Phil's video. You're right. The whole time I watched that, I thought he was wearing the strip, but he's not. He's not even wearing his fife thing in some of it. Yeah, it's showing an old strip, and then he's wearing I don't know if it's Burberry or something, but ah, weird. Anyway, um, Gordon, any final thoughts from you, or just wrap things up? Um, no, we've been pretty downbeat. Um, but I suppose uh. A good thing is um, just the national team. Obviously, that's that's the Euro qualifiers done. The pots are all out. That's going to get drawn in a couple of weeks, so that's kind of uh, exciting. Did we end and up in pot three? We did. Yeah. And if you, if you look good. at it, it's probably better. It better. Yeah. yeah, pot two is a bit averagey looking. Um, but if, if we've got a let's all laugh at as well, and this they won't get this opportunity to do it very much, let's all laugh at Brazil, because they've just lost three World Cup qualifiers in a row. And they lost their first ever World Cup qualifier at home, so they're like six in the table or something like that. They're 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 six or seventh in the table. They're the East Fife of South America. <laughs> Imagine if they didn't make the World Cup. That'd be hilarious. Or, or, or alternatively, East Fife of the Brazil of Scottish League Two. Yeah, because we're mediocre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the best teams are whatever bloody position we're in. I like. The next World Cup's obviously over here. It's like if Brazil didn't make it, that would be fucking. Oh, I mean, they, I mean, I feel like they just have to. Like any time it looks like Brazil or Argentina or someone don't qualify, they always do it. But um, they, they will. The, I don't know if you saw the Italy Ukraine. It's the usual thing with these big teams. UEFA panics, and there was a very strong shout for a penalty from Ukraine in like the ninety third minute, and it's like, no, you, uh, Italy are through. You're like, oh, very good. Well, Correct. like. We live in a corrupt world, Michael. Over here, like last night, it was the CONCACAF qualifiers and it was their Nations League for getting into Copa America because they're letting some of the the North American things into Copa America next year, which is very exciting. So Mexico were playing Honduras and they lost the first leg in Honduras 2-0 and they need Mexico in Copa America because it's getting played in the US. So they need all the Mexican fans and all the Hispanic fans to go and buy all the tickets so Mexico 
it was they were one 0 in the second leg up, so they were still trailing an aggregate, and nine minutes of time was added on, and Mexico got their equaliser in the eleventh minute of the nine minutes of time added on. Then in the penalty shootout, they got to retake a penalty three times because the keeper had come off the line. Um, he saved it the first two times and nearly saved the third one as well. That I'm pretty sure they would have said, oh no, he's come off again. It was, they got fucking jobbed out of that and then Mexico's through now, so they're all happy. Corruption in CONCACAF. Oh, I know. Canada fucked up, just as an aside as well. They were home and dry and then fucked up. So that kind of was quite funny. But anyway, Aaron, final thoughts from you. Yeah, just similar to what's been said. I suppose I'm not digging people out. Um, Nah, that's a lie I am. Like the supporters (laughs) say I am. Like I'm quite happy going record and say I am with that because they're a shambles. Um, But with Greg, you know, like we've said from the start, really lovely guy. You know, took the time to come and speak to us in Oswestry after the game, bought us a pint, um, gave up his time, had a bit of a laugh. Genuinely, it's nothing to do with anything like that. It's just about thoughts and opinions on the pitch. Um, and like Doug said, caring about the club, that means something to you. Um, I think a, a wee funny one to finish with, share this with you guys, I think, but a few weeks ago, Arsenal under-18s, who have Jack Wilshire as, ma- as their manager, their game got cancelled away at Bournemouth under-18s. But Arsenal... You know on Twitter how you would put like a link so you could read more, so you just click on the link and read more about it. They never gave a reason for it. But it transpired that the reason the game was cancelled was because the team bus ended up in Brighton rather than Bournemouth. So they went to the wrong ground. They went to the wrong city and the game was cancelled because they couldn't get back in time. So yeah, there you go. The game's B though. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> Well, we, we don't I, I, want to talk about teams that begin with B or D, I guess, now. Next, next week, Brentford away will cause all sorts of problems. I just had a look at the Comneball standings, and Brazil, yeah, they are six, but because the 2026 World Cup's the first expanded one, where there's 48 teams, the top six get in, and the seventh makes a playoff. There's only 10 fucking teams, so yeah. seven of the 10 is going to go through anyway. They'll be fine. Yeah, they should be. By hook or by crook? Chile and Peru are out of the the spots just now, so, I mean, they could turn it around. Um, Just final thoughts from me. Again, I know folk at the board will feel that we've maybe picked on them a little bit. Come on the show. Talk about it. Express your concerns. Tell us why we're wrong. Also, open invitation if the Supporters Society want to come on as well and explain things and... We'll take questions from listeners as well and put questions to them. Very open to do that. I meant to say this at the start and then just got sidetracked, but I just want to say rest in peace to Billy McPhee. We touched on it a little bit during the show. Absolute club legend. Worked in the commercial side and things for the club as well and had many chats with Billy over the years. That was a sad one. And, of course, we lost Eric Walker and... Uh, Rab Waddle as well recently in the supporter side. Want to finish on something uh, a bit humorous that you guys won't know about, and it is his Fife Connected. So I mentioned that I listened to the TNS game on the radio, 
I take it you guys have never heard any of the commentary from their no. radio. Second half, um, just after TNS equalised, their club chairman, who was drunk as hell, grabbed the microphone and was on the live radio mic for five minutes. And he was... Uh, it was entertaining... But my wife had to leave the room. She said, I can't listen to this anymore. Because he's like, fuck it, we're going to fucking beat them. We're going to fucking do this. Oh, fucking this. And, uh, it, it was just insane. And they could not get him off the mic. He was eventually was dragged away. Spoke, I think that was the guy we probably spoke to at the start of the game. Because I, I know we definitely bought him a pint. So maybe we, maybe we set him on the way. It, it was very entertaining. So if any of these five directors want to get drunk and do the East Five TV, there, there we go. We could sponsor the them. Podcast. Yes, definitely have you on that. So anyway, that is it. Let us know your thoughts. It is a long one, but there is a lot to talk about. It was nice to be back on it. All my stuff is now done for the rest of the year here, so I can be on this a little bit more. I'm sure the club are loving to hear that. But we will be back with another episode soon. Well, we have a new manager to talk about. If there is any breaking news or something, we'll come out with an emergency pod. But until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for the continued support. And as always, Mon the Fife. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course banner. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days ago might return one